Hi, in this podcast we will hear from Di O'Neill and Wayne McCashin, two of the founders of St Luke's Strengths Approach. Both were part of St Luke's exploration and adoption of strength-based practice as a framework or foundation for the way that St Luke's worked in parallel practice, both with the clients or the people they worked with, as well as throughout the various tiers of the organisation. This strengths approach has been articulated by Wayne McCashin in his book, The Strengths Approach. It's now in its second edition and it's available through St Luke's Innovative Resources. The website is www.innovativeresources.org. We really hope that you enjoy listening to Di and Wayne's story. Thank you. At St Luke's in uh, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, we were doing pretty much traditional social work, um, which was driven in part by the eligibility criteria, and eligibility criteria was always on deficit, based on deficit. And so the more traditional way of doing social work at the time was to focus on the issue or the problem and try to work to overcome it by, by lessening the problem. Um, what we discovered when the people that we were seeing was that uh, that was actually increasing their disempowerment we felt because they had to be had to be bad enough to get in. <laughs> so if you weren't bad enough, you didn't get a service. So so the emphasis is on what you couldn't do. And we decided at one point that um, that that in itself was fairly disempowering, and we would make a, a um, bold move of changing our process. And so we we thought we would be much more productive for the client if we focused on what they wanted to be able to do after they'd worked with St Luke's. So if St Luke's work with St Luke's was successful, what could they do then? And so we helped build this picture of what would be happening when they were um, moving, you know, moving forward. And, uh, and then we had to look at what they were doing now that was part of that picture and actually build on that rather than what, what they, they weren't doing. Once we decided um, what we wanted to do, we redesigned the agency so that um, we could, uh, everybody was part of one team instead of being, or, or generic teams rather than specialist teams, because the specialist team was built around the deficit. Okay. And, and what, we, what we decided was we were a group of staff with a range of um, talents and knowledges, and that once we'd, uh, our client had decided what they wanted to be doing in the future, well, then we could match the talent to that point rather than to the, their deficit. Um, so that, that was sort of the, the way of um, structuring ourselves. And then we started to look for whether any other um, people doing something similar who might be able to provide us with some of the skills. And so we looked at things like brief therapy or solution-focused therapy, Milwaukee Family Therapy Centre, to Dulwich in South Australia for narrative therapy, and um, probably other little bits and pieces too along the way. At St Luke's, when we first decided that we needed to do something quite different um, and to focus on what people wanted to be doing when they'd finished with us and what they had to bring with us, and we reorganised the agency around that and, and uh, um, gave everyone a similar title. In those days it was mainly family worker, regardless of where you'd worked in the system um, up until then. Uh, and we would have, um, we had a, one person, often it was myself, who was in charge of taking a new request for service. We called them requests, not referrals, because we wanted the client to be requesting a service from us, not another agency wanting to dump somebody else in our direction. And we, we, so I would take information. Once a week we had a resource allocation meeting, which instead of thinking about as case allocation meeting, we had all these people lining up for a service who can go out and see them. 
we thought about them in terms of what resources might they want. So then we would allocate people to go out to see them and they may come back and they bring their information back to the next meeting, at which case we would allocate the resource we had in the agency. So, um, and that would be a worker with a particular skill or a knowledge or whatever. It wasn't just a matter of allocating the case. We try not to use the word like case. Um, so we, we dropped the word referral, we, we stuck to the word request, we allocated based on the resources they needed to get to the goal that they were aiming for, and, um, and we um, virtually structured our, our work around that. In order to see whether that was working, five years down the track we did a bit of research where we asked, uh, La Trobe University did it for us, where we asked the client, and we asked clients, we asked workers in other agencies and we were, uh, our own workers, um, what they thought the practice was we were doing and so we wanted to see if that was consistent with what we thought we were doing. And their answers were quite consistent as it happened with what we were doing. And then we looked at the number of children we placed in that five year period, in the five years gap. So at the first year we placed, at um, the five year point we placed the same number of children as we placed in the first year, but they stayed for one fifth of the time because we'd done the work to work it, which focused on what they want, what the family wanted to be doing rather than what they were doing wrong and trying to overcome it. So, so that was significant. When I came into St Luke's, um, Di O'Neill, Russell Deal uh, in particular, had been exploring with their teams uh, ideas around working in strengths-based ways with uh, children and families and doing preventative work to uh, keep children in the home with the families. Uh, and um, or have children return home as soon as possible. So really focusing strongly on, um, on values and uh, ideas around empowerment. Uh, so um, that, was, that matched very, very neatly and very, very well with my own values base. And um, I was really lucky to be part of a team who had a very strong values base around, uh, around respect and uh, respect for human dignity uh, and belief in people. Um, as you would, if you come from the social movements, you tend to be an optimist and, uh, and active in rela uh, relation to social justice issues. So, although we weren't articulating those ideas uh, as clearly as, as later happened, um, they were they formed the base for um, our thinking and um, and working in human services. Yeah. In early days, uh, and so back during the 90s, the term wasn't in currency generally. And as we articulated our own approach. Um, we adopted, or I adopted the term strengths approach um, to differentiate between our articulation and other uh, iterations of strengths-based practice. Um, the thing that, that was evident to us during the early mid-90s was that there wasn't a strong emphasis on uh, social justice imperatives and we certainly were committed to those. So we started to shape what we referred to then as the strengths approach, gave it that name. Um, uh, to differentiate, as I said, between other iterations. So, um, and uh, you know, so there were various influences on that, such as uh, the women's movement and um, their social analysis, uh, and um, especially around notions of power. And uh, so, the idea of um, of power over versus power with emerged in our articulation during the 90s as well. So, um, and interestingly, I mean, that, that notion I didn't discover until more recent years uh, had been around since the late um, 19th century. Um, that came from a, a wonderful woman activist, social worker, feminist uh, by the name of Mary Follett, 
he talked in terms of uh, power over and power with, um, in particular in relation to uh, management practices in organisations. So, uh, so uh, the whole notion of power with to me is, is really central and critical in a strengths approach uh, because it's really about um, finding ways to be as inclusive as possible in the processes that we, um, we uh, undertake with uh, clients of human services. So uh, that and then of course that emphasis on strengths which is about belief in potential of people. Yeah. A really clear analogy is in child rearing, you know, when a parent constantly and continuously does things for the child, keeps pulling them out of difficult circumstances in, an, in, in a way that's not supportive or helpful, um, uh, at rescuing them, um, uh, telling them what to do, how to do it all the time, the child will not become autonomous. And, you know, so they will learn to be reliant and I think that that's what, unfortunately, some human service uh, practice does. It makes people reliant and dependent on them rather than um, bring about a state of affairs where they, they get real control of their circumstances and their lives and their futures. I think one, and here, I mean, there's both my opinion and personal experience in relation to that, but I'm in relation to this. But I'm really pleased to say that what people tell me all the time is that what they love about the strength approach is the way that it is articulated and structured in that it's accessible for them, that it brings, brings the whole approach down to two things essentially that can't be separated. One is the way we use our power with people uh, to, bring, to be just and fair in our practice and our work and the other is that deep respect for their regard for human potential and for, for human dignity. So um, those are the things that really attract people uh, very strongly. Um, I think uh, that you know um, I'm a great fan of uh, solution-focused uh, practice, of narrative practice, um, of various other practices that have become part of the strengths movement. Um, uh, but I think somehow we've been able to hit on uh, something that resonates very, very strongly with people who care about change, who care about people, care, care about the world, care about social justice and, and, and human dignity, yeah. I think it's really helped um, those who do practice that way to focus on the client as the centre of the, the um, relationship uh, because we're focusing on what the client wants and what the client can do rather than what the agency thinks it can offer the client. And um, that's not to say other approaches aren't legitimate or working, but uh, for me personally that felt much better. Um, so we were saying, yeah, this client has a life experience. They know themselves better than anybody else. They know what they can do. And um, we need to apply our skills in a way that allows them to value what they know. And we can provide some input into um, maybe other ways of doing things, but not the answers. Um, and we need to, and in doing that, we need to share all information we have with our client. Um, otherwise, if we have information about the client or an idea about what the client should or shouldn't be doing, and we keep it to ourselves and just try to get the client to do it, that's a straight manipulation. And the client might be able to do it while we're there watching them, but if they haven't learnt why they're doing it and what they're doing it for and what they, why they want to keep doing it, then it's a fairly short-term solution to a situation. I wrote a sentence and it says that people hold, hold the keys to their own transformation, you know, which was just not rocket science or new and other people have said it in different ways, but I think it's true. And if we, if we relate to people in those ways and we believe that, then that will change the way we relate 
and the way we work with them.